You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. what was happening, you would think that they would repent. You would think that they would come back to the Lord somehow. The Lord was going to have his way regardless. You would think they would repent. They heard the prophecies. They watched what's come true. But, you know, Zedekiah, he didn't, wasn't, I guess he wasn't that smart. If we read 2 Chronicles 36, he does a lot more evil than we read here. He doesn't listen to Jeremiah. He doesn't listen to the other messengers of the Lord. They mock him. They disregard the message. I find a lot of that happening. All of us fall into sin sometimes. Sometimes it may be largely on accident. We may not even realize it till afterwards. Other times, we walk right into it, knowing full well what we're doing. But as Pastor Dave will point out, it's especially damaging when we know we're hurting our Father's heart and we keep going back time after time. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 24 as he continues his message, The End Has Come. My allegiance is to the Lord Jesus Christ first and foremost. I do love my country, but I love my Savior more. And that's not coming against anything except going for Jesus Christ. So we read verses 3 and 4. It says, Innocent blood, surely at the commandment of the Lord, this came upon Judah to remove them from his sight because of the sins of Manasseh, according to all he had done and also the innocent blood that he had shed, for he had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, which the Lord would not pardon. The Lord would not pardon the sins of Manasseh, because he shed innocent bloods. And that frightens me for our country. How can the Lord forgive us with all the innocent blood that we have shed? All the babies that have been destroyed since 1970, and beyond and before, All the innocent blood that's being shed. How can the Lord relent from taking us down? I don't know. The punishments of the sin of Messiah of Manasseh, God pours out his judgment upon the third and fourth generation. Here we are, long past Manasseh, and now God is pouring out his judgment. He suffered long. God had suffered long with these people. And now he's making them pay. Why? Because they would not repent. They would not repent. They continued to be impotent. They continued to do everything against him. Even all of Josiah's reformation, all of his reforms, and other kings came in and they destroyed everything and were back in the same places. Because of the sins that were put in place by Manasseh, God says, I'm going to remove you out of my sight. Oh, I shudder when I think of those and hear those words. I shudder, I'm going to remove you out of my sight. All that Manasseh did was called back to mind, especially the innocent blood that was shed, much of which we may suppose was God's witnesses. Maybe there were people wanting to witness God's love in the middle of Manasseh's time, and he was killing them. Worshippers, he said, the Lord won't pardon you. I'm not going to pardon. I have a rather long quote that I think is important from Matthew Henry. 
I'm going to read it. Quote, Is there then any unpardonable sin but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? This is meant of a remitting of the temporal punishment. Though Manasseh repented, remember he repented at the end? Have, we have reason to think that even the percussions and the murders he was guilty of were pardoned, so that he was delivered from the wrath yet to come. Yet, as they were national sins, they lay still charged upon the land, crying for national judgments. Perhaps some of them were now living were abiding and abetting, and the present king was guilty of innocent blood, it appears, according to Jeremiah 22. See what a provoking sin murder is? How loud, it, how loud it cries, how long. And see what need nations have to lament of their sins of their fathers, lest they smart for them, unquote. Think about that. Think about that. Are we now paying for things that were set in motion back in another time? So the first invasion is complete. They've come in. They've done some crazy things. And then Jehoiakim dies. Let's read 5 and 6. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoiakim and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings? So Jehoiakim rested with his fathers. Then Jehoiachin, his son, reigned in his place. A lot of chins and kims. So we read in 2 Chronicles 36, 6 that Nebuchadnezzar intended to take Jehoiakim to Babylon. And put him into bronze fetters. Yet the prophet Jeremiah tells us that he would be disgraced and buried outside of Jerusalem. And once again proving that the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. You read through it. You can read about Josiah and all these kings in Isaiah and in the prophets. Even Ezekiel. You can read about all of them if you can just go through the Bible. This is one of the reasons why we always go through the Bible. So Jehoiakim dies, and Jehoiachin, his son, takes his place. Let's read 7 and 8, or 7 through 9. Things aren't much better under his reign. And king of Egypt did not come out of this land anymore, for the king of Babylon had taken all that belonged to the king of Egypt from the brook of Egypt to the river Euphrates. Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months. His mother's name was Nehushta, the daughter of Elephan of Jerusalem, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father had done. He continues the evil plan and path that his father had laid out for him. And he lasts a whopping three months. Because guess what? The second invasion happens. Nebuchadnezzar comes back in 597 B.C. Now he has his eyes on all the wealth of the kingdom. Remember when we studied the kings, how they would brag about their wealth, how would they bring people in and they would show them all the glorious treasures and all the... Well, that's going to come back to haunt them now because now Nebuchadnezzar is coming back and he has eyes on their wealth and he has eyes on certain people, young people, leaders, people who are, are prominent. Let's read 10 to 12. At the time, the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against Jerusalem and the city was besieged. And Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came against the city as his, as his servants were besieging it. Then Jehoiakim, king of Judah, his mother, his servants, his princes, and his officers went out to the king of Babylon. And the king of Babylon, in the eighth year of his reign, took him prisoner. 
took him prisoner. Let's read further. And he carried out from there all the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. And he cut in pieces all the articles of gold which Solomon, the king of Israel, had made in the temple of the Lord as the Lord had said. Also he carried into captivity all Jerusalem, all the captains and all the mighty men of valor, 10,000 captives and all the craftsmen and the smiths. None remain except the poorest people of the land. And he carried Jehoiachin captive to Babylon, the king's mother, the king's wives, his officers, his mighty of the land. He carried into captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon. So Nebuchadnezzar comes and Jehoiachin leads his family out and they basically surrender. They surrender just as Jeremiah prophesies in Jeremiah 22. You can read that in Jeremiah 22, verses 24 through 30. Something interesting happened during this raid. As he's taken these valiant men, as he's taken the 7,000, the smith, as he's taken all these people away. In verse 16, it says, All the valiant men, 7,000, and craftsmen and smith, 1,000, all who were strong and now fit for war, these the king of Babylon brought to Babylon. It was interesting. Something happened. They were gleaning from Judah the cream of the crop. They were taking away the young people, young men. And according to Daniel, verses 1 through 4 in chapter 1, they took away four young men, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and Daniel. You might recognize their names as Belshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because their names were changed. It was during this time that they were carried away. It was during this time that they were carried away to Babylon. And I suggest that you take some time and read Daniel. Especially in light of what's happening today. Read Daniel. It is what a read it is. In fact, I want to read a little bit of Daniel. Let's go to the book of Daniel. Let's look at chapter 1. Something that really strikes me in here that I just love. I'm going to read the first four verses. In the third year, the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, and some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of God, his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Aspenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them daily provisions of the king's delicacy. So they went out there. And now this says Jehoiakim. So I was wrong. It didn't happen under Jehoiachin. It happened during the first invasion. So I want to correct that. So they go there. And they want to train them in their culture. They want to train them in everything they're supposed to know. They even give them new names. They take away the old culture and they give them new, new names. It's interesting. And then they want to give them all the delicacies of the king. And Daniel, being a good Jewish boy, looked at all the delicacies of the king and said, I can't eat that. I can't eat that. I'm not allowed to eat that. And look at verse 8. I love verse 8, and this is why I'm here. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portions of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank, 
Therefore, he requested the chief of the eunuchs that he did not defile himself. I love that. I could read that every day. Daniel didn't defile himself. Now, let me set the scenario for you. Daniel is captive. He's carried away. Has no idea where mom and dad are. Has absolutely no idea. He's there with from friends. They're all put in this room together. And they're going to be trained in the languages because they're smart people. They're good looking. They're the cream of the crop of Israel. And they put all this food in front of them. It's take and eat. And Daniel says, no, I'm not eating. My question is always, who would know? Who would know, Daniel? You got to be hungry. Who would know? Daniel said, my God would know. I will not defile my God. I love that. I just really like that. It's almost like Joseph running away from Potiphar's wife. How could I do this against my Lord? He ran away. Daniel says, I won't do it. I won't eat it. I love that. We get in compromising situations all the time. We're always in compromising situations. How do you act? Who would know? Who would know? God always knows. God knows your heart. He always knows. I just love that story. I, I, I like to teach it to the young people. Many, many times when I'm asked to go over to Cape Christian to do the uh, devotional, I'll go over there, and depending upon when I'm there, year after year, I might do this and pull this out because I want them to realize there's a word that they need to understand. It's called integrity. It's called integrity. And we as Christians need to have integrity. And I like my definition of integrity, and that's what you're doing when no one's around. You know, God sees all, so I digress. The ransacking of Jerusalem started. They lost their land, they lost their youth, and now they're losing their great treasures. They're losing their wealth, and nobody could protect them. And according to Ezekiel, Ezekiel was taken to Babylon during this time. If you look at Ezekiel 1, 1 to 3, he was taken to Babylon also, along with 10,000 people, members of the royal family, all these people. But according to Isaiah, according to Jeremiah, according to Ezekiel himself, the worst was yet to come. The worst was still going to happen. So Nebuchadnezzar appoints Jehoiachin's uncle. Let's read further, because Jehoiachin is going to die. Let's go to 17. Then the king of Babylon, oh, wait a minute. 17, yeah. Then the king of Babylon made Mathaniah, Jehoiachin's uncle, king in his place and changed his name to Zedekiah. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king. He reigned for 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hamudal, and the daughter, she was the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. He also did evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that Jehoiakim had done. For because the anger of the Lord, this happened in Jerusalem and Judah, that he finally cast them out from his presence, then Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. So Nebuchadnezzar appoints Jehoiachin's uncle, and he changes his name to Zedekiah. Zedekiah would be the last king. He would be the last in succession. After this, that he appoints governors to take their place. You would think, I mean... I don't know. It's happened to me. I've seen other people get in trouble and then gone in the same trouble they've gotten into. So I have to admit that that's happened to me. But you would think that all these people, all these men watching what was happening, 
They were all watching what was happening. You would think that they would repent. You would think that they would come back to the Lord somehow. The Lord was going to have his way regardless. You would think they would repent. They heard the prophecies. They watched what's come true. But, you know, Zedekiah, he didn't, wasn't, I guess he wasn't that smart. If we read 2 Chronicles 36, he does a lot more evil than we read here. He doesn't listen to Jeremiah. He doesn't listen to the other messengers of the Lord. They mock him. They disregard the message. I find a lot of that happening. I find a lot of that happening. You know, counseling is very difficult. Counseling is very difficult because in my, in my day as a counselor, not many people heed the voice of the counselor. <laughs> Especially when it's right out of God's word. Zedekiah didn't heed the prophets. He didn't heed what was going on. He didn't heed. He rules 11 years and he's nothing more than a puppet king. And then guess what? He rebels against Nebuchadnezzar too. Again, don't these, don't these guys learn something? It's like, wait a minute. He leads, and then the final evasion comes. The final invasion, that's what chapter 25 is about. God's patience and long-suffering finally had run its course, and he even stagnated the conquering of the kingdom. He even spread it out. Ultimately, according to 2 Chronicles 36, there were reasons for the exile. Judah was completely depopulated in the exile. It says, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. As long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. 70 years. Now remember, not only was every seventh day a Sabbath day, but every seventh year was supposed to be a Sabbath rest for the land. They were not keeping this. They were going against God's will. So that's why it says the land enjoyed her Sabbath. For 10 Sabbaths, 10 times 7 is 70, the land enjoyed their Sabbaths. Jeremiah tells us that during this time, false prophets in those days, and they preached the message of victory and triumph to Zedekiah. He believes them, so he goes out against Nebuchadnezzar. Well, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks during our study of 2 Kings, you know that I'm, I've been likening what has happened to Judah to what I see happening in our beloved United States. I've been a liking at that. And that's just something that I'm doing. And as I studied today, I came across a very interesting piece by a man named Richard Cobden, who was a basic a British political leader. And he says this. Listen to this quote. Every great nation fell by suicide. I think this applies to our study in 2 Kings. I also think it applies to our United States of America. We are committing suicide. The United States is killing itself from within. We are killing ourselves from within. The destruction of Judah, it didn't come from a sudden attack. It didn't come from all of a sudden people appeared and came in and ransacked it. No, it came after years and years and years and years of idolatry. Years and years of years of, of disregarding God. Years and years of years of not wanting any part of God. It, it all came about that. Make the connection, folks. Make the connection. This wasn't a military strike from outside. The kingdom committed suicide because it became decaying morally and spiritually from within. 
And as we read the steps of the decline and the decisions made by the leaders, mostly bad leaders, by the way, except for a few, led the people down this draft of destruction. And nothing could stop it. Nothing could stop it. Drain the swamp all you want. Is it going to stop the destruction of America? I don't know. I don't know. Look what's happening today in our country. Look what's happening. We've removed all resemblance of God from our government, from our schools, from our cities, from our homes, from our neighborhoods. Did you know that the Democratic Congress voted to take So Help Me God out of the oaths that they declare when they're sworn in? Did you know that there's a bill on, on the desk of somebody right now trying to take one nation under God out from the Pledge of Allegiance of the United States? Do you know that they want to take in God we trust off our money? What are we doing? What are we doing? But I see it happening in here. I see it happening in Scripture. And there's nothing new under the sun. And God is the same yesterday, today, and today. And you think he, he let it go here? For how long? How long is he going to let it go in our country? How long is he going to allow this to happen? We've had leaders come and go. We've had bad leaders. We've had good leaders. We've had some good, some bad, some in between. But I'll tell you what's happening now, folks. It's just beyond my recognition. I don't understand it. And I don't understand it. I'm not trying to put anybody down. I'm not trying to put any cause down. My cause is Jesus Christ. That's my cause. My cause is Jesus. To him be glorified. And that everybody would come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's my cause. I can't stop what's going to happen in the United States because God has got taken care of. But a, a custom and a tradition and a value to remove it and say it doesn't exist? I don't know. We may not like our history, but it is our history. There are countries who don't like their history, but it's the history. I just see too much of a, a, a familiarity when I read about Judah especially the part about getting rid of God, especially the part about shedding innocent blood, especially the part, those kind of things. And I, and, I, and I get worried, and I get upset. And then I have to remember who's in charge. i got to back up and say, okay, Lord, you're in charge. And I'm yours, so you're in charge. Whatever your will is, I accept it. I accept it, and we'll move on. I'm sure Judah didn't like what was happening to them. I'm sure when it finally happened, they were all perplexed. I thought God loved us. Well, he does. But look what you've done all those hundreds and hundreds of years. I mean, go back and read. We read not one of the kings of the kingdom of Israel was considered a good king. Remember that cheat sheet I gave you? The majority of the kings from Judah weren't considered good kings. They were, come on. Anyhow. It's interesting. I don't think it's a coincidence that we're going through this. I don't think it's a coincidence that we're going through Second Kings. I really don't. Not with what's happening today. I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes. I'm not trying to put anybody down. I, you, you're all entitled to your own beliefs, and I respect your beliefs. I'm not trying to put anybody into a place. I'm not trying to say anything about anything except the fact that you know, I choose to have a cause, and his name is Jesus Christ. And that's the cause I'm looking to, and that's the cause I'm going to. We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. 
There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to and even share with your friends and family. Just look under the Messages tab. You can listen to additional teachings from this series in 2 Kings or jump to another book of the Bible. A Sure Hope is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cape May. If you're not already connected to a church family, we'd love for you to join us this weekend. We meet weekly, Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. We'd be happy to get to know you and hear about your story. Find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. Look on our website for directions as well as the various ministries that we offer. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we'd love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. As this edition comes to a close, we want you to know we're grateful you're a part of our listening audience. Make sure to join us again next time for more from 2 Kings, where Pastor Dave will pick up where he left off. We look forward to that time with you again as you continue to learn and grow here on A Sure Hope. Oh